So welcome to today's webinar. Uh, today's webinar, as well as the picture says, is on five-time management techniques for IT managers and, uh, and professionals. So uh, welcome. Is, is that, as many of you know, is that uh, my name, there we go, is uh, Eric Bloom. I'm the Executive Director of the IT Management and Leadership Institute, uh, and this is my background. Uh, for anyone who's been on sort of month to month, if you look close, you'll see one different, uh, difference, I'm very proud to say. Uh, as of this past month, I've started writing for CIO.com again. I'm writing a column every other week. My column is called Developing IT Leaders. So, um, you know, I'm not trying to sell you anything. It's free there if you want to check it out. Uh, but anyway, if you Google uh, just Eric Bloom, CIO.com, my, uh, my column should come up. If when you Google Eric Bloom, you see a really cool looking rock musician, uh, that's not me. That's actually the lead singer of the band Blue Oyster Cult, if you remember them for uh, people, well, more of my age. But anyway, let's move to the material at hand. Is As we go to talk about our first of the five time, um, uh, time management techniques, I'd like to precurse it by talking about being in the zone. We'll talk about being in the zone two or three different times as we go through these. But basically being in the zone, some people call it being in flow, et cetera. But during that time, basically you're mentally clear. You have an exact understanding of what it is that you wanna do. <clears throat> you're highly focused. Namely, this is exactly what you're gonna be working on. You're single-minded. You're removing other things from your thought processes. You're physically able. In other words, you're not tired. You know, I could be mentally clear as to exactly what I want to do. I could be really focused in it. But if it's 11 o'clock at night, I'm a morning person, I'm half asleep. If I'm sitting semi-comatose on the sofa, probably that's not going to work for me. Um, next is I'm motivated. And I'm motivated to do that right now. Um, and then, whoops, and then from there is I could be all of these four things related to something from work. I think I was actually in the zone, so to speak, when I put together this presentation. But you can also be on the zone, playing a sport, cleaning the garage, but it's anything there when you're sort of fully focused, single-minded, and really it's the task at hand. It's when those of us who are doing things like writing and so on, this is when we have our times of super productivity and, you know, much of our best work comes during this time. The problem is, though, is you can't always be in the zone. So what do you do then? What I propose, and this is actually the basis of a TED talk that I did, uh, I guess about five years ago, um, called, uh, well, the four zones of personal productivity. But what it is, is it spells the word task. And <clears throat> my belief is that there are four, people have four different zones. There's the top of your game. That's when, well, you're in the zone. You know, that's all the things we talked about on that previous slide. There are other times when you're alert, but not creative. Now, what that means is that, uh, you know, you're alert, you're ready to roll, you're feeling good, you know what you want to work on, but you just haven't quite kicked in that creative gene. An example of this is if you say, all right, I'm ready, I just had my triple cappuccino, I'm all psyched, I'm ready to write this important email. And then you just sort of get there and you can't figure out how to start it. You know, that first sentence that just can't come about or you can't figure out how the table of contents is going to go on that new ebook or that presentation you're putting together. You know, you're clear, you're ready, you want to work on it, um, but you just can't quite get it started. That's being alert, but not creative. The third is sluggish. 
So maybe you went out to lunch, you had dough, maybe a little pasta, maybe a little Chianti was on sale that day at the restaurant you went through, or maybe it's just sort of in the dip of the day from your circadian rhythms, which we'll be talking about more later. Like for me, I'm a morning person. I'm ready to roll and I'm good till about two in the afternoon. Two to three for me, eh, it's not so good. You know, I mean, if I have to be up, if I'm teaching a class, I'm great. But on a general day, that's really sort of a slow down time for me. And around 3.30 or so, the afterburners kick in, I'm good till about seven o'clock. So for me, that sluggish time would be sort of that two to three or two to 3.30 time. Doesn't mean I can't be productive, but as you'll see, it just means I have to be careful on the things I work on. And then that's keeping awake. That's like, you know, it's late at night or whatever. And you're saying, all right, you know, let's just stay awake, get one more little thing done. But these are your four personal levels of zone. Again, spelling the word task. Now, what I'm going to do next is I'm going to go through what I do anyway, at least of these four levels. Just as an example, this is about you. It's not about me. But to just extrapolate it to the things that you would do during these four different zones. And then, um, you know, then afterwards, what I'll do is I'll give you really the, um, you know, the reason behind this, you know, sort of the big concept of how to use this to enhance your productivity in the office. So when I'm at the top of my zone, I do a lot of writing. Like, for example, I just mentioned I'm going to be writing again with CIO.com. Uh, that's where I'll write my articles. For me, it's usually first things in the morning. If I'm making a creative presentation or if I have really important emails, say, for example, a proposal that I'll be writing to a client. That's what I do when I'm at the top of my game. Now, sometimes I may say to myself, oh, I just feel like checking my junk mail. Uh, but you know what? If I'm at the top of my game, I'm not going to want to squander that time. I'm going to work on stuff like this. The next is alert, but not creative. Uh, in other words, is that, you know, I'm ready to go and so on, but I just can't quite get that, that important proposal written, or I can't figure out the first sentence to, my, to the blog that I'm going to write, et cetera. So what do I do is I'll return, you know, like the regular email correspondence that we get. Nothing sort of super and fancy, but yes, I'll be in Tuesday's meeting. Gee, I think this, blah, blah, blah. I'll write status reports. I'll do invoices. Or maybe I'll just try something and say, gee, you know what? I wonder if this somehow I can just kick it into the top of my game. So this is what I'll do if I'm alert, but not creative. Moving from TA now down to S uh, is if I'm sluggish. So I'm sluggish. I'm not really up to a mental challenge at that time. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll do some expense reports, you know, just things that are sort of uh, pretty easy to do. You know, they're, they're sort of wrote by format. I'll check my spam folder just to see if there's anything in there. Uh, I'll find graphics. In fact, isn't this a great picture of a dog? I'm really a dog person. I love dogs. And uh, I don't know. I, I actually found this picture when I was in a sluggish mood because I had done a presentation uh, I put together a presentation actually when I was uh, when I was very much at the top of my game, but I need to fill it in with graphics and things along that line. So I poke around for those things. Again, being productive, it takes time. Probably took me maybe a drop longer at, uh, if I was sluggish than it would have if I was top of my game. But top of my game, I should be doing other things. And then last of the four uh, is if I'm um, is if I'm keeping awake. Now, in this case, with keeping awake, I know me. I got to just shut, if I'm sitting there with my laptop, I got to shut my laptop as soon as I have that wave of exhaustion. Why? And this is the voice of experience. If I accidentally go like this with the mouse instead of like that with the mouse, I can lose a presentation somewhere. And if I don't remember where I named it, it could take me hours to just find where that accidentally went. 
So anyway, is that, uh, so what I do is I shut my computer and uh, I'm a big to-do list person here. So what I'll do is I might just rewrite my to-do list. I might clean my office. Or you know what? I might say uh, enough is enough for the day, or at least, you know, if it's midday and I'm just totally exhausted for some reason, take a 20 hour, a 20, 20 hour, yeah, 20 minute uh, power nap. I don't do that too often, but I must admit occasionally if I do, if I've had a really tough week and a bad night's sleep. So now, why am I telling you about these four different zones? Here's the big takeaway for you. The big takeaway is what you want to do is you can maximize your productivity by selecting tasks that match your current level of energy. So effectively, what I'm saying to you is, you know, you have your to-do list with all those items on it. You may even want to put a, P, a, a, a TAS or K, you know, task uh, next to each of the items on your to-do list. And then, you know, let's say that you're half asleep and you have a really important document to write, but you had a little time to write it. You say, you know what? I got to clean my office anyway. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of sluggish. I'm not, uh, not really up to it mentally. Why don't I do these other things instead? Because what you'll find is if you try taking on a task that really requires your highest level of sort of mental ability, and you try doing that when you're, say, sluggish, it'll take you twice as long and it'll be half the quality. So that's an important thing for you to consider um, as you're working on things. So if you basically spend that time doing sort of time consuming, but not mentally difficult things, get it out of the way. Uh, then when you, uh, when you can, when you're really at the top of the game, maybe for me, it comes back around 3.30, as I mentioned, if I write it then, then it will be better. I'll be able to write it faster. So by just sort of mixing what I'm working on when, it can dramatically enhance my personal productivity. And by the way, you can also share that with those in your team. Now, uh, one other thing that's a good way for you to judge this for yourself, just as your time allows, write out on a piece of paper, sort of nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you know, the work, the work hour days. And then next to it, put where you generally are on a day. Like for me, you know, I'm really, really great early in the morning, you know, really sort of half asleep at two to 3.30, et cetera. And then what I'll do is I'll take the items that are on my to-do list and I'll sort of match them up to those, type of, to those times of day. Try that for a day or two. And what you may find is just doing that can dramatically enhance your, uh, your productivity because you're able to get more done. And also those documents that are most important to you, you'll be able to produce with higher quality more quickly because you're doing it at a time when you're most able to. So now let's move to topic number two. Staff meetings during times, uh, uh, staff meeting times during circadian rhythms. Now, uh, let's see how the two of these tie together. The basic concept is that based on, uh, um, based on the benefit you want to achieve, schedule meetings at a time of day when participants are most or least mentally, aware, uh, mentally awake. Now, the truth with this is, is that, you know, this isn't 100%, like many things that involve people, you know, unfortunately, humans aren't born with user manuals. So as a result, everything that we talk about regarding sort of productivity, this kind of thing, you know, it, it's all a little bit of art and a little bit of science. Certainly, there's some strong merit to it, but don't expect that this will always be the case for you. There are very few things regarding people that are, you know, 100% in line. But what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to sit back for a moment 
and just think about like, for example, for me, I said, I told you when my most energetic times were and my times when I'm well ready to take a nap. When are those times of day for you? And there's no right or wrong. There's just different. Uh, for example, I mentioned I'm very much a morning person. Uh, but then by, you know, 10, 1030 at night, I'm pretty much semi comatose sitting on the sofa at night. Uh, my wife uh, don't want to get her up before nine o'clock if I can help it. She has her own business also. But, you know, at 1030 at night, if she wants, she can kick on the afterburners and go till three in the morning. So it's not a right or a wrong. It's just understanding who you are. Now, the next thing that you need to understand is generally speaking, where is it? Where's your team on this? So if you're going to be doing a staff meeting, when is your team generally most productive during the day? Now, everybody is people, so it sort of works out, you know, there'll be a little bit of each, but maybe your, your team is super productive first, you know, like in the morning, but, you know, come around after lunch, you know, maybe not so much or vice versa, depending on where you are, the type of people on your team, the type of work they do, a little bit about their age, you know, that kind of stuff. But think about these things about when those by uh, when those, uh, you know, those rhythms are for you, the circadian rhythms of sort of your group in general. Now, how this can help you is it can help you maximize your staff's productivity. I'll give you a quick example of this one. We're going to get to some, but right off the top is let's say you have a, a group that everybody gets their best work done in the morning. Is that you want to totally destroy your team's productivity? Have a meeting from 10 to 10.30 every morning, just enough to interrupt them from what they're doing, meet with them on something on a totally different topic, and then let them try to catch up where they were just at 11 o'clock for an hour just before lunch. <clears throat> so this is by, by carefully keeping track or carefully, let me say, strategically deciding when meetings are, things along that line. This is the first item. The second thing that it'll do for you uh, is it can, um, it helps you negotiate effectively with peers and customers. Why? Is if I'm going to be negotiating, say, with a, a big with an important business partner, say, a stakeholder on an important project of mine. I'm not going to do it, you know, if I can, I'm not going to do it at 2.30 in the afternoon. I'm going to do it at a time when I'm really at my mental best. Why? Because I want to be able to properly articulate why the project is going to take longer than they may not want, or why I need extra resources, or, or they have questions. I want to be able to answer them best I can. Next is, is you can get your client to agree with a proposal. How can you do that? Well, see, it depends on the proposal. If it's really technical and you really want them to understand it, find a time of day that's great for them. Now, remember, when you're working with other people, it's not about you, it's about them. So if their best time of day is 2.30 in the afternoon, guess when I'm going to schedule the meeting if I have to? 2.30 in the afternoon. And what I'll make sure to do is have a couple of cups of coffee, you know, a Diet Dr. Pepper, something around 1.30 to make sure that I'm where I want to be at that time of day. It's not that I can't do it. It's just that on the regular run of things, it's not, uh, not where I want to be. What do they say? Humans make plans and God laughs. None of this is going to work 100% the way you'd like it to. Um, next is maximize brainstorming sessions. If my team is most brilliant in the morning and we have a session, we have a really difficult problem we have to solve, when am I going to set that brainstorming session? Right after lunch when everyone went out for drinks on a Friday? Friday at lunchtime? No, I'm going to do it maybe on a Tuesday morning so I can have everybody's best attention. So now putting these together is that uh, let's use some example usage of how to use this to your advantage. If you have staff meetings during low, uh, low team energy, we'll maximize the non-meeting productivity. So let's say you have that weekly staff meeting 
that, uh, you know, there's not really a lot of brain power going on there. It's, you know, where do you stand on your project? What are you working on? What are you taking vacation? Just sort of more general dialogue than really digging deep into the meaning of life or an advanced algorithm. <clears throat> In that case, you have two times. You could say you have the choice of having the meeting, say, Tuesday morning at, a, at 10, 10 to 11, or maybe Thursday afternoon from four to five. What I would suggest, you know, all other things being equal, is, is that if Tuesday morning is a high productive time for your team, don't blow away people's Tuesday morning. Do it from four to five on a Thursday afternoon when people were beginning to wind down anyway. So you'll see, and you'll see this more as we can, um, as we can get to later, um, as we get to a, a, a later one of our five techniques, the next technique um, is that when you place meetings in, it's enormously important. So this one, not only is it a productivity game for you, but also is it's a productivity game for everyone else on your team. Next, negotiate a vendor contract after eating lunch together. You have a salad and suggest that the vendor, that the, that the vendor have a nice big pasta lunch. Maybe a salesperson did this to you, and maybe you're a sales per a previous salesperson so said, "Oh no, don't give away my secrets." All right, but the, but I had a salesperson do this to me once many many years ago, which is actually what I think of when I see this. Is we went out to lunch together. It was the only time during the day that we could meet. You know, and the vendor said, "All right, let's just meet lunchtime. My treat. There's a great Italian restaurant down the street." So we went, great. Now, um, you know, what does he say to me? He says, hey, you know what? The chicken parmesan here is incredible. This was maybe 30 years ago when people still like had a drink of wine at lunch. Uh, and, you know, you got to try the Chianti. It's awesome. So I did. Uh, and then what did he get? He said, oh, trying to, you know, get a few, uh, putting on a few too many pounds here. So what did he add? He had an antipasta with a little protein on it and a Diet Coke. Uh, at one o'clock, we started negotiating the contract. Guess who was in better shape mentally to do that? The salesperson or myself? You know, what I did, fortunately, which was smart, I said, hey, I, I ate too much lunch. Can we meet again tomorrow morning? Totally blew his whole gig there. And I got a good lunch. Uh, but anyway, is, is that that's a trick that you that, that's often done trying to get people to eat things uh, or just have it at a time of day again that they are not at their best. Next one, brainstorming sessions during high energy times. Now, so let's say before I said the staff meeting was four to five on a Thursday. Everyone's half asleep by then, say. And I say, let's do this intense brainstorming session. Are they going to be there at their best then? Or maybe what I really want to do it is that's what I want to do on a Tuesday morning. If it's really key to our project, our department's future, et cetera. And next is when meeting with your manager. You want to make sure that you're at a high energy time. Again, I mean, if your manager sets the time, then, well, you can't do it. But, you know, given the opportunity. <clears throat> but for your manager, do you want them to be at basically a high level of energy for them or a low level of energy for them? Well, it depends on the topics that you're talking to your manager about. If it's one of these you want to get in, you want to get a quick, yeah, go do whatever you think is best, uh, then maybe you want to have it when you're high, high level, be a low level. Uh, if it's something that you really want them to grasp and you really need their assistance, maybe you set up a meeting with your manager when they're at a higher level, even if through, let's say, caffeine or something along that line, a five, uh, what do they call it, five hour, um, five hour something or other, I don't drink it. Uh, but anyway, is that uh, uh, at a time that they're really high, so you can get, oh, thank you, thank you, David, five hour energy. Couldn't bring that to the front. You know, maybe you would do that. Or just for me, I usually will just have a Diet Coke or a Dr. Pepper or something along that line. But anyway, if you really want the attention of the other person to be high, 
So all of these, again, you know, it's not looked at more as a sort of a guidance than a hard and fast rule. But believe it or not, these things really work. All you need to do is just be a little bit tactical and a little bit strategic about knowing what your levels of energy are and the energy of those people that you're going to be working with. Now, moving forward. <clears throat> Management time versus worker time. We're going to be cutting back to the zone on this one, actually, as part of this. But let's talk about manager time. For those of you in management slots, uh, roles rather, you know, you'll know that uh, basically is your life is basically 30 in 30 or 60 seconds, uh, 30 or 60 minute meetings. So in other words, you're in a meeting 9 to 10, 10 to 11, 11 to 12, you know, 12 to 1. If you're lucky, you're not in a meeting and then in your, you're in another one, 1 to 2 two to three, maybe you have three to four off to catch up with your emails and such. But as a manager, if you don't have the ability to sort of end thinking about one topic at 10, at uh, 9.59 and start thinking about another topic at 10.01, uh, then it's really, really hard for you to be present in meetings that are back to back through the day. But this is management time. It's one hour or sometimes 30 minute chunks. Now, knowledge worker time, however, <clears throat> is in two to three hour time frames. So think about this is that you, know, you want to, you know, have you ever said, oh, good, I have no meetings this morning on, on Wednesday morning today. The, re the reason being is, is I have this big project I really got to think about and work through. So as a result, as knowledge workers, you tend to work in these bigger chunks. And during these chunks, there are actually five phases that you go through. Uh, let me see, is that, uh, oh, uh, someone put in something in here. Let me see what it says. I'm not a manager of teams. I just manage myself. However, I feel making decisions about food and exercise has a huge impact on my day and uh, also mental energy. Absolutely, Olivia. Thank you. In fact, I find the same thing for myself. Like, for example, is, is today's webinar starts, at, I'm in Boston, so it's 12 o'clock Eastern time here, or actually now 12.23, is that uh, I'll have lunch after this as opposed to before for exactly what uh, Olivia just put into the, into the, um, the chat box here. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, let me see, oh, let me see. Uh, um, how would you rank attending a webinar? Oh, right after a big lunch. Uh, well, attending the webinar, sure thing. Why? Because you can take notes, you can pay attention to it. Uh, you know, you're not presenting. So if you're not at 100% of your top of your game, as long as you can follow and so on, that's a pretty good way to go. Uh, so let me see. So, uh, so by instance, uh, let me see, and enjoying a Chianti might, uh, uh, might only be an evening when the workday is over. Actually, that's the case for me, you know, is that uh, I would ne I never for, I never drink during the business day for that reason. Um, is that it just puts me to sleep. And half the time I'm working till 8.30 or 9, having my own gig at night, you know, my own gig. So as a result of that, you know, if I have a beer, it's probably going to be, or a glass of wine, it's probably not going to be till 10 o'clock in the evening or so. But anyway, back to this, uh, is that when you have a big project to work on, now this big project could be coming up with a major proposal, uh, doing your budget for the year ahead, uh, could be cleaning your garage, you know, anything along those lines. Um, is that you go through these really five phases. Phase one is what I like to call task orientation, often called nesting. So let's say I'm putting together a, um, you know, a big presentation. I'm going to say, all right, let me see, where are those three emails? Uh, 
All right. Oh, Ali, that's the, I was looking for Ali's email. And oh, Andrew wrote a really good email. Where is oh, there it is. Got it. Chris, Chris's email. All right, get it. So I put up those three emails. I said, all right, where are my notes from the meeting? I have those here. Basically, I'm collecting all of the stuff that I need in order to move ahead with my uh, with my project, whatever I'll be working on. It's the equivalent of if I'm cleaning the garage, I probably want to know where my gloves are with the dustpan, the brushes, you know, things along that line. I'm collecting my tools, so to speak. <clears throat> then you get into engagement and you start working on the project, whatever it might be. And then there's that natural thing that happens to us when we go from sort of being engaged in the project and working on it and, you know, to being really just we're present, we're in the zone. It's just something that's a natural thing that happens to people. Like at night, you don't say to yourself, hmm, I see that it's 1101, I should go to sleep. It doesn't work that way. You know, you, you, you start to, to wind down a little bit, you get a little tired, your eyes get a little heavy and poof, the next thing you know, it's morning. It's the same thing with this in reverse, is that you're working on it, you're paying attention to it and your mind sort of kicks into overdrive. Uh, this is during that time, you know, when you're single focused, when you're really at your highest level of potential productivity and creativity and effectiveness. And then time will go by, maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half or whatnot, and you'll start winding down. It's called concentration wind down. That's part four here. Uh, it could be because you're just getting tired, nature calls, you're getting hungry, the task is almost done, you know you only have till noontime and it's about 11.30, so you're trying to wrap things up, etc. And then part five is mental disengagement and you move over to the next. So um, this is what's called knowledge time. Now, what are the implications of this? Manager time, yeah, you're going from meeting to meeting, nothing you can do about it. But let's talk about your knowledge workers, or, your, or if you're a knowledge worker yourself, use it for you, or as, as a manager, when you're doing knowledge work type stuff, for example, doing the budget. I just wanted to pick a manager type task. And by the way, for many of you who are, um, are like player coaches, you have management responsibilities and then direct sort of individual contributor type um, type uh, activities you have to do also, you can play one off the other. For example, I have both of those, just given the nature of my job and my role. So what I'll make sure to do is if, let's say, Tuesday is filled mostly with meetings and Wednesday is mostly open, someone says to me, when can I meet? The two times, the two times I'm going to tell them is, let me say, from this time on Tuesday or this time on Tuesday or from three to five on, uh, on you know, Wednesday. Why? Because I want to leave that whole block of time open for me to be able to do this knowledge work stuff. But let's look at some of the manager implications of this. First, once you're out of the zone, it can be difficult or impossible to get exactly back to the same space. So think about that. Have you ever been like really working on something? It could be for those of you that are software developers by background, it could be a program, it could be writing a budget, it could be an important email, it could be a presentation, it could be anything. And then some, your boss comes in, you know, and says, uh, uh, yeah, um, hey, Denise, you got a minute? Yeah, great. Yeah, we just, I just need you for five minutes for a phone call. And you go, oh, God, not now, but hey, it's your boss. So you go with your boss, you go there, you talk about some total other topic, you come back, you sit down, and you go, all right, where was I? And if you can even get close to where you were at the time you were pulled out, it might take you a half an hour. What do you do? You get back there, sorry, where was I? All right, what was I looking at? Oh, man, I had a great title for this. What was it called? Oh, I can't remember. That's being broken from the zone. <clears throat> Next is, 
uh, imposing your schedule into Knowledge Workers Day, what it can do is it can reduce their productivity. Why? Well, you're breaking them out of the zone, which stifles their creativity. It can reduce their, uh, their motivation, hurt their morale, and actually cause them to leave. When I was a very young manager, it was, I think, probably by, I don't know, it was maybe two or three years into management. And I had a guy working on me and I, he working for me, and he was awesome. Uh, and I thought that, uh, that he would be great for future management positions. So what did I do? Is that I invited him to, to bunches of meetings. Why? Because I was trying to do the good manager thing. Uh, what do they say? No good deed goes unpunished. This is one of them. Uh, you know, I was doing the good manager thing. I wanted to, you know, position him to maybe take my role when I was eventually promoted. I wanted to give him visibility to senior management. What did he do? He gave notice. I said, what do you give notice for? He said, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm introducing you to all of these more senior people. I'm getting you more visible. He says, I don't want any of that stuff. He said, every time I get working on something, is he pulling me away to go to one of these darn meetings? So I'm leaving. So I said to him, well, I'll tell you what, uh, would you work for me? At another time, if I promised I won't drag you to meetings, maybe a staff meeting you got to go to or one or two others, but I'll give you a choice in coming to the meetings or not. He said, sure thing. Uh, a few years later, he ended up working for me again, and I stuck with that. But that was something just me as a young manager. I thought I was doing the, good, the right thing, but I didn't understand what I was doing to his knowledge worker time. Next is uh, interrupting your staff can be counterproductive to meeting your department's goals. That falls right off of the story that I just said. So in other words, is, is that your goal is for your department to be as productive as possible. Don't hurt those goals by interrupting people when they're in the middle of these types of, uh, you know, of zones and they're really working well. And I'll tell you a quick funny story at the end of this. Um, next is, is when your meetings are in the zone, protect them, leave them alone. Don't let people interrupt them. Now, how are you gonna do that as a manager from an ongoing perspective? Um, first of all, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to have them, um, you know, have them in protected places. Excuse me, someone just rung my, my doorbell. Okay, sorry about that. Is that, um, um, you know, set your meetings at times that meet their schedules. If you know someone on your team is a morning person, then when are you going to want to set up a one-on-one -on -one with them? Again, unless you want them really active on it, do it a four to five on a Tuesday afternoon. So in other words, really make breaks or try to set up meetings and things along that line around natural breaks and concentration. Maybe 8.30 to nine before people get wound up, 11.30 to 12, just before lunch, 12.30 to one or four to 4.30 to five to give them those chunks of time in their schedule. Another one is, is help facilitate zone-based work environment. In other words, what you wanna do is maybe give people local printers, you know, that are printing a lot if it's part of the jobs that they're doing. Uh, you know, establish times when people return phone calls uh, or return emails rather. You know, someone emails me at nine in the morning, um, you know, maybe is that I say, all right, I'll return all my emails from 8.30 to nine, 11.30 to 12, those other times I mentioned in the afternoon, have the same thing for my team to give them blocks of time to be able to get their work done. So let me see, what does it say here? Uh, so it's great to set a cal uh, calendar slots um, where you are the one and you, have, and you know where they'll be, be interrupted. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is that it's great, let me see, to set on calendar slots. Yes, in fact, if I'm reading that correctly, what you can do then is let's say, for example, that uh, me from nine to 11.30 or nine to, I'll say nine to 11 is a great writing time for me. 
If other people have access to my calendars, just for many of you in, in other companies, people can see your calendar of when to schedule. Just block off a standard meeting with just you in it from nine to 11 in the morning. You can always cancel the meeting. You're the only one in it, but it's less likely that people will schedule over it. And let me see, uh, and with COVID work from home in different time zones, yes, it absolutely can be challenging. Thank you so much for putting that in. Uh, and by the way, when it moves to a hybrid environment where some people are back into the office and some people are home, uh, it's actually gonna get worse. It's unfortunate to say, but probably the truth. Um, let me see, uh, let me, uh, look Outlook 365 as a feature called, yes, focus time. Uh, it's magical. In fact, is that the, who put that in, David? Yeah, I started getting that also. I'm also getting something else from it, which is sort of my daily agenda. So these are really good things to look into. Is that, uh, let me see, focus time is, is that I'm somewhat familiar with it. Let me see, focus each day. Uh, it auto schedules my, um, oh, me focus time to, uh, uh, to achieve it. These are great things. Use these kinds of tools. Thanks for sharing that, Dave. Uh, also, if your team is working hard, maybe what you want to do is you want to run and do the coffee run rather than them. You know, it's just the nature of things that you can do that will help your team. Oh, one other, sorry, is um, the uh, um, office walkers. When everyone's back in the office, I report to, I, I refer to office talkers as the person that's walking by your desk and it sees you and says, uh, uh, let me see, who should I pick on? Hi, Laurie, how are you? Yeah, yeah, good to see you. Hey, sorry, I hope I didn't interrupt you. But uh, anyway, uh, are you gonna be going to the company event this, uh, this Friday? Oh, speaking of Friday, you know what? I'm gonna have a great weekend. Let me tell you about it. And basically that person wastes half an hour of people's days. Keep them away from your team. Now, what this is, this is just a simple diagnostic. Uh, that you can do for yourself. And there's no magic on it. It's Monday to Friday, meetings from seven in the morning to six at night, should you you know, be work a long day or your hours shift. And put those meetings in there that are your required ones, the ones that you can't get around. In other words, you can't say to you, if your boss's staff meeting is at 11 o'clock on a Thursday, then it's on 11 o'clock on a Thursday. So put all those required ones in here. And then and say, put those in in blue or just something along that line. And then put all the meetings that you're in charge of. For example, the one-on-one, -on -one. let's say that I work for, uh, for Gregory. So Gregory, that would be, uh, if you're my manager, you would have that as sort of an optional time whenever we're meeting. Why I work for you, you could tell me to meet with you at another time. So then put all of those optional meetings that you have, things that you can change up. And then see where your big blocks of time are during the week. And if you're a morning person and you found that two thirds of the meetings that you have set up yourself, like Gregory setting up with me, uh, were in the morning, move them to the afternoon. Find those blocks of time for you and for your team members uh, to try to let, give them time to be able to do knowledge work. <clears throat> now this breaks us into our, our next type, which is near time and far time. This is a really, really interesting concept that uh, until I started studying this, actually, I never really thought of it. I read a, something on it years ago and then just sort of extrapolated it from there. In fact, uh, this is one of the topics that's, uh, that's in the book I wrote a few years ago called Productivity Driven Success. In fact, that's where a lot of this stuff is from. Uh, but anyway, is a near time, far time concept. What the concept is, is people are much more productive, uh, much more protective, rather, um, of their schedule and resources in the near time than they are in the far time. Now, what that means, 
is that if I say to you, hey, I'd love to get on your schedule for two hours next week. You're going to be thinking to yourself, oh, my God, I got a, a dentist appointment on Tuesday and I have this big project due on Friday. And this big problem came up that I know it's going to take me a couple of weeks to solve is that you're going to be really protective of your time next week. But like right after today's webinar, don't do it now because I don't want you to start to look at your email and your calendar. Um, but as soon as this webinar is over, go look at next week's schedule on your calendar. And then go and look at your calendar for, say, the, um, the first week of September. I'm betting that the one in September or second week in September, unless you have something very specific required at that time, it's going to be pretty empty as opposed to now. This is the idea we're going to be getting into of near time and far time. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> with near time, namely short term, next week, the rest of this week, next week, the week after is that uh, what you'll find is that people have a much stronger mental picture of the short time. Why? Business commitments and deliverables. They know what they're going to be for next week and the week after. Um, longer range projects, oh, the deliverables are way out. I don't have to worry about those yet. Uh, problems that must be dealt with. Well, if you knew about those problems six weeks ago, you would have been working on them then. Unforeseen business opportunities like, oh, I bet we could do this. And all of a sudden, you know, it's a new proposal or something along that line. You don't know what the unforeseen business proposals will be in October. Why? Because it's not October yet. Next is personal time commitments. So it's all of these things like a dentist appointment. Uh, if you coach your kid's soccer team, when are the meeting? You know, when are the, uh, the practices, et cetera? Um, you know, also it's, you know, it's so you feel uncomfortable when you look at a busy week schedule, like, oh my God, I can't fit anything else in it. As they say, you can only put a gallon of milk in a gallon milk bottle. But now let's look at the longer term, you know, your long term. So that for now would be say September, October, November, the fall. Deliverables, you know, haven't been assigned yet. The long range projects, yeah, they're still way out. You don't have to really worry about them as much right now. Future problems haven't materialized yet. Like the system, you know, as of today, the system didn't blow up on November 1st yet. Okay, why? Because it's not November 1st. All right, so it's these kind of things. Is unforeseen business, uh, business opportunities are still unforeseen. Doctor appointments haven't been scheduled yet. And your kid's soccer schedule hasn't been sent out to the parents yet. So none of these things are on your calendar. So is if you think about all these particular items, the technique is this, people's future calendars and commitments seem much less overwhelming. We substantiated that. People are more willing to add meetings to their future schedules. Why? Because it's farther out. They look at their schedule. I'm not doing anything that week. All right. Ha ha. But that's what the calendar says. Managers <clears throat> are more willing to commit resources because future projects aren't yet known. So do you see how uh, now as you're working with other people, so what does this mean? This means that therefore requesting meetings and securing key resources from other departments as far in advance as possible, the more likely you'll be to get them. Now, let's say, for example, that uh, Michelle uh, is the best person working for um, best person in Dave's department. Okay, and I go, hey, Dave, I'm doing a project in October. Any chance I can have Michelle working on my team for that? And, uh, you know, Dave, you will look at the calendar and said, sure thing. I'll, I'll pencil her in to be working on your project that week. Thanks so much. Now, the week before, 
Is it possible that Dave might say, hey, Eric, I know I committed to that Michelle, I think it was Michelle, I said uh, that Michelle will be working on your project next week. I'm sorry, I got to pull her off to do something else and I'll give you Joe. Okay, but the, the, the percentage chance of Dave pulling Michelle off my project is less than the percentage chance that if I wait until the week before I needed her to go to Dave and say, hey, can I have Michelle next week? Much less likely. Also, if he pulls Michelle off my project, he's going to feel bad about it. And I'm more likely to get more senior resources the next time I ask. And Dave will then feel really, really personally reluctant not to pull them off my project, if at all possible. So this is how you can use this to get you know, the resources on people's calendar, et cetera, particularly really busy people. Now, you can also use this in reverse for yourself. Protect you from scheduling meetings not optimal toward your business goals. What do you do is use it in reverse. You know, uh, it helps you, it, it, helps, uh, it helps you schedule things with busy people, but what it also does is it also helps you personally keep your schedule open. Because you know what's gonna happen? Let's say that I call um, uh, Nao and I say, hey, you know, can I have you for an afternoon on, uh, you know, like on September 15th? The reason is, is I'm doing a brainstorming session and I would love for you to join our meeting. Neo looks at the calendar and says, yeah, sure thing. All right. But the problem is, is far time becomes what? Near time. So Neo's going to be looking at the calendar going, oh my God, why did I ever commit to agreeing to do this for Eric? Why? Because your calendar was empty three months from now and I was smart enough to get on it now. So from here, now let's go to our next and uh, actually our fifth, uh, fifth of five time management techniques. Now, whereas the others were basically to be able to do things more efficiently, you know, kind of stuff, do them better, work with your calendar. This one doesn't save you any time, but what it does is it increases your throughput. In other words, the more that you can get things done sooner takes you the same two hours, four hours, five hours to get it done. But instead of having it done next Friday, maybe you can have it done this Friday. So let's say you have three things to personally work on. You have to write a status report for your boss. You have to review a presentation for someone in your team that was given to you. Um, and you also have to reply to a vendor, you know, are they happy with the specs? Are you modifying, you know, the, 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 um, you know, the work order that was done, et cetera. So in other words, you have these three tasks to do. So what we're getting into here is it's prioritized delegation. Uh, in this case, it could be to you, but to others, but what's the order that you're gonna work on this? Because let's think about, about these particular. All right, here's the concept. If you prioritize your tasks in a way that allows you to delegate follow-up tasks more quickly, then you can create multiple streams of work that are being done at the same time. In other words, this helps stop you, the manager, of being the bottleneck on the projects that you're trying to get completed. So the order that you perform these tasks has a dramatic effect on their completion dates. Let's see why. Okay, so the first thing that you should do is if you write your status report, guess what? The presentation, per, the person doing the presentation is waiting for your input and the vendor is still sitting there waiting to hear from you before that project can be worked on. So the other second one was with your staff and the third one was with a vendor. So what is the order that you wanna do these? Well, what I would suggest to you is, I mean, if your boss is standing in your office and says, your status report needs to be done in 20 minutes, then of course do the status report. 
But again, feel free to widen it a little bit, you know, assuming all things equal, you have a couple of hours to get stuff done. So what I would propose to you is do this one for your staff first. Review the presentation for your staff member, send it to your staff, maybe that's Philip, okay? Now, why would I do that? Is because then while I'm working on my next task, Phil can be working on the presentation. So, you know, again, if it took me an hour to review it, and it's gonna take Phil three hours to finish it, that's still four hours. However, instead of Philip starting that four hours next Tuesday, he can start it today. So first, the one is for the staff. The next task that you're gonna to wanna to work on is the one for the vendor. Why? Well, you always put your staff in front of your vendors. That's how it works. And I'm a vendor in most cases, so you, know, you can pick on your own. But take care of your own team first, then you take care of the vendor. And then what you do is you write your status report. Because think about it, just by doing your status report third instead of first, you now have three, chain, uh, you know, three uh, chains of work being done at the same time. While you're writing your status report, the vendor is doing whatever the vendor is going to be doing here, and you're, the person on your team is working on the presentation. So it's three things of work being it done, and it removes you as being the bottleneck. So now, as we that was really the five, what I'd like to do is I'd just like to take a minute, many of you I, I recognize from previous webinars, uh, but let me say is that our next one, as you know, we do the monthly and they're free. Next one is on always on a Friday, always at noon, and it's on August 13th. The title of it is Virtual and In-Person Presentation Tips for IT Leaders and IT Professionals. So in other words, as you might imagine, well, like today, I give a lot of presentations. Uh, there's a lot of tips that I can give you both before the presentation happens, but during the presentation and for after the presentation, then they, they can truly help you meet your business goals. What I'd like to also say is, is that uh, um, you've all signed up for this, is that as a result of that, you have an account on our system, or if you can't find it, feel free to create a new one. Um, and what that will be is, is it'll give you free access to the limited version of our IT leadership growth library. For those of you who've been here for uh, or been with me for a long time, uh, that's actually, it's uh, renamed from being our resource library. Uh, for any of you now, a little marketing thing for me, just half a slide, whoops, uh, is that uh, should any of the, the companies that you're with, you could really use a, you know, a turnkey uh, in-house IT training program. Uh, we have a 12-month program that can be customized and delivered specifically to your team. We modify the topics, the timing, and everything to meet your needs. Just give me a call and we can work it out. In addition to that, and uh, some of you I recognize from having been in our classes, but we're also, please remember, the governing body for two certifications in IT management. The first one is the IT MLP. They both start with IT. So I'll just say management and leadership professional. It's a three-day boot camp containing these nine topics. So as you'll see is that if you're a newer manager, take the, uh, you know, like the one, two or three-day new manager training that your company provides you. Great stuff. This is not as a replacement to that. It is designed to complement it specifically, as you can see by looking at it, with helping you understand really the business of IT, how to manage an IT shop. Uh, that's really for people soon to be managers, up to three or four years of management experience. And for those of you with, uh, or who are more seasoned managers, or what I like to call managers of managers, uh, is that there's the MLE, the Management and Leadership Executive. As you see, the topics listed here, these 10 topics, also a three-day boot camp. 
and the exam is included and then, you know, some other things go with it. Uh, but anyway, is this will help you not only in your current role, if say you're a CIO of a 30 person shop, or you're a manager of managers kind of thing within a larger firm, is this will, will really not only help your current job performance, but position you for larger, uh, larger type roles. So from here, what I'd like to say is promised, I'm done about uh, 10 minutes early from our, uh, our one hour time frame, let you get back to, uh, to work. But I'd like to thank you for uh, spending uh, about 50, 50, 49 minutes of your day with me um, and um, happy to open it up to questions if anyone has, if anyone has any.